Hi, everyone. You are now listening to BCC Sermons. Thanks for tuning in. Well, church, we all have a story, and every one of our stories matter. Every one of them. No story is lacking of significance because every story that results in leading someone to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is amazing. Amen? And so it doesn't matter the circumstances around how you came to Christ, the fact that you came to Christ, and the fact that Christ has become your Lord and Savior by you believing that what he did was sufficient to be able to make us new in the eyes of a holy and perfect God, you believing that and trusting in that, man, that is an amazing story because who are we that he would be mindful of us? And so no matter the details around it, We all have a story, and every story matters. Sometimes people in life believe that because my story doesn't have like this great thing where I can share this story about how rough of a life I lived, how far away from God I was, how all these different things were happening in my life, and I was addicted to all these things, making all these wrong choices, and God just like, boom, delivered me from them all. When we think and we hear those stories and ours doesn't match up, maybe ours kind of feels boring, you know? It feels like, oh, well, I went to church, you know, my whole life, and I I don't know. Maybe your story is more like that. We compare our stories often to other people, and the enemy uses this as a tactic of intimidation to keep us from sharing our stories because he wants you to believe that your story doesn't matter. But I'm here to tell you today that your story does matter, and I want to talk today about how we can continue in this idea of growing in our relationship with God through spending time with God spending time with others, and how sharing our story is a key component of continued growth in Christ because we all have a story to share, and we're going to talk about how to do that. Now, I want our church to be confident in sharing their story because, church, you have a testimony, and it matters. Amen? So let's go over to 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to read 1 Peter 3. 8 through 17, page 1015. So, you get a prize if that's actually the page number in your Bible. I think I've got some mints in my pocket or something I'll throw your way. So 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. This is what Peter writes. He's writing to the church, and he's writing to the persecuted church, Right? These guys are being persecuted, and he's wanting to encourage them and instruct them on how to live in the face of persecution. And so this is what Peter writes. He says this, verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called that you may obtain blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let's stop right there. I want you to think about the context of this for just a minute. Peter is instructing the church in light of their persecutors, in light of people who are abusing their families, who have killed perhaps family members. 
He's writing this in light of the fact that they're having to deal with intense situations where maybe there's been job loss because of their faith in Christ, or they've been ostracized from the community and they're not able to go and hang out with these same friends they used to hang out with. They're not able to even go to certain marketplaces and shop and do business because they've literally been kicked out of the rhythms of their ordinary lives simply because they're now following Jesus. This is the game changer for them. And so people are talking about them. People are spreading rumors about them. People are making assumptions about these Christ followers. And they're saying things that are ridiculous and that have no merit. They're spreading rumors around of Christians that saying that they're cannibals because they're eating the body and blood of their Messiah. And these people are cannibalistic. They're spreading all types of lies. They're making them seem to be these evil people in the eyes of everyone else. And so people are threatened by them they're upset with them and all of these things are happening and it's affecting their lives and they want to go out and they want to go and just just tell everybody no the evil people are actually these romans do you know they worship false gods you know they do all these perverted things that's the temptation right is to go out and want to do all of that stuff and peter says no don't repay evil for evil don't repay reviling for reviling Don't go and do the same things these people are doing. You keep your focus on what the Lord has called you to do. What a tough word that would have been when you're the one who was affected by this loss of of, of your community, by the loss of your loved ones, by the loss of family members. This would have been extremely tough. So verse 13, he continues to write, Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness, do it with respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame, for it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. This is this idea of always being ready to share your story. Always have a reason for the hope that you have. So when persecution comes, when people reject you because of your faith in Christ, when people begin to put pressure on you because of the life choices that you're making to follow Jesus that may affect your outside relationships, that may affect even maybe family relationships. He said, always be ready to share your story. Always be ready to give an account because this hope that you have, there's gotta be a why there. There's gotta be a reason. And it's gotta be more than because I'm supposed to, you know? It's gotta be better than that. It has to be deeper. It has to be more convicting than that on the inside of me. What would cause you to keep moving forward when everyone else seems to be against you? What would keep you from moving forward when they're killing your loved ones? What would keep you moving forward from when people are spreading lies about you? Why would you keep moving forward in the middle of all of this? You better be able to give a reason. You better be able to give a reason because it's the hope that you have that should be fueling your passion, your decisions, and your behaviors that are contrary that other people don't understand. They don't understand. It's outside of their normal rhythms, and they want to make all these assumptions that may be untrue, but yet at the same time, he's saying still serve God with a clean conscience 
do what is right is unto the Lord, because you're doing it to God, right? And you need to make sure that you're living your life in such a way. Give a reason. Have a story. And I like this quote. I can't remember who said it, but it wasn't me. So I'll give an anonymous person the credit. Um, But I didn't come up with this, but I love this quote. Live your life in such a way that it demands an explanation. I love that quote. Live your life in such a way that people are asking, what's your story? People are asking, why? People are asking, why, why are you so willing to just like, give up your weekend, right? Like That doesn't make sense to some people. It, it makes more sense for you to just be selfish and think, well, I deserve you know, time to myself, and you're taking time away to go serve some kids or to go do something for someone else. Like, why, why are, you, are you just trying to be a goody two-shoes? You, know? you can become criticized even for trying to do good, right? Isn't that so terrible, man, that people will even judge the good that you do and they'll look for a way to criticize. Because people are always looking for a way to criticize, right? And Peter knew this, and Peter knew the church was facing this. Now, you and I aren't living in a day and time where necessarily in America, in the Quad Cities, we're concerned about losing our lives for the stance that we take uh, for the gospel. Maybe, maybe there will come a time. But, you know, for the most part, we don't have those thoughts. But these people did. These people were actively thinking, man, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of things around being a Christian that you better know why you're a Christ follower. And it's got to be something that you can explain and you can share. And there's a story attached to it. There's a why. There's a reason. So does your life look different because you follow Jesus? What is different about your life because of Jesus than if you didn't have Christ in your life? Because if you say that you're following Jesus and your life doesn't look any different before you were claiming to follow Jesus, are you really following Jesus? Or are you just going through the motions? I have a story that I want to share with you about my personal encounter with Christ. I grew up in the church, and I thought being a Christian was all about just being a good person with good morals and knowing a lot about the Bible. And that was pretty much what I summed it up to. I heard stories as a child like Jesus loved me, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, but then I thought, well, there's bad people and then there's good people and I'm one of the good people. And that's how I just grew up seeing things. And I thought my sins amounted to the things that I had done, you know, the things like, you know, I maybe told some lies as a child, uh, maybe I wasn't completely honest or I disobeyed my parents, whatever the case may be, and I could ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins, and I knew that he would, so I didn't have to feel bad about doing bad things. And that was pretty much my understanding as a child of Christianity. And as I, as I grew up and the type of uh, teaching that I grew up under, I began to think that being a Christian was about being successful so others would see how God had blessed me. And so I was supposed to be wealthy and and always healthy, never sick. And I was supposed to be successful in the eyes of the world. And so I began thinking that was now my new pursuit. And so I'm trying to be a moral person, learning more about the Bible, and I'm trying to be this successful person so other people could see that the reason I was successful, the reason I was never sick, the reason I was prosperous, the reason all these other things was because I was a Christian. And so that was my goal. And what I did at that time in my life as a young teenager is I began to compare myself to other people. 
And that's just naturally what we do, because I want to know how I'm doing, right? You want to know how you're doing. And so I go, wow, well, I'm certainly better than that teenager who's doing those things. I'm not, you know, doing those things. And I began to get really critical towards other people who didn't meet my standard, because apparently when Jesus died on the cross, he thought, man, I hope more people can become like Derek. <laughs> and and, and that, that was my idea of Christianity was just a, a, a morality with some spiritual things attached to it that I thought, well, I know a lot of scripture and I understand the prosperity. I understand um, health and wealth and I understand all these sick people just don't have the faith I have. All these poor people just don't have the faith I have. And this was the way that I was brought up to view Christianity. And when I was about 16 years old, I went to a youth group that was about 45 minutes away from where I lived. And I drove there on my own because I had heard some stories about it and I got an invite to go to this youth group. And what I saw there changed my life forever. And um, what I saw was a real youth pastor who confronted sin and who preached the Bible with a passion I had never seen. I saw students worshiping God and serving God and crying out to God with a passion that I had never seen and it felt real. It felt very different than the fake persona that I had been holding on to and feeling superior and better to other people and actually wrecked me and it messed me up in a good way. It broke me down and I began to see my need for Jesus. And I began to see the Jesus that these teenagers knew and were serving and loving. I didn't know that Jesus. I didn't know Jesus that way. I was interested in what God could get me and how I could show other people how good I was because of following God. But when I saw how these teenagers and this youth pastor were loving Jesus, it messed me up because it was real and it was authentic. And it, it was something I wanted. And there was something on the inside of me that all the false, fake persona had been, had been propped up for these years trying to make everyone think, look at me and look at how good I am. I saw something, man, that I wanted. And I began to pursue God in that way, and it changed my life. And I believe that that was when the turning point in my life happened to when I began to serve Jesus for who he was, not for who I wanted him to be. Amen. And it changed my life, and it stirred a passion in me that has stayed with me to this day, and that passion is this. I have had a passion for what is real. I only want what is real, what is authentic. All that other fake garbage, I don't want anything to do with it. All that other stuff that just looks like Christianity, has a form of godliness, but no real power, no real fruit. I don't want anything to do with it. And so, yeah, my doctrine was a little messed up for a while, <laughs> and probably still is to a certain extent, because how many of us have it all figured out, right? But God has been refining me from that moment, and he has used my passion to be able to, when I was a student pastor, to lead others and to find that same passion I found as a youth pastor. And then as a lead pastor, God's continually used that passion and that pursuit of authenticity. It doesn't mean I always get it right, because I certainly have not. But I can tell you I'm always in pursuit of what is real, and I want God for who he is. And when you begin to read the Bible that way, it will change the way you view God. When you begin to actually pursue God for who he is and not for who you want him to be. Man, it was a life-changing, life-defining moment for me. And my heart was just on fire for him, and he's still, he's still sharpening, shaping, and refining me. And God's using my story to connect with other people who, like me, are looking for something real. And God has continued to mature me and use me and refine me for his glory. And that is my story. That's what God has done in my life. 
That's how God has used me and worked in me for his glory. And church, we always need to be ready to share our story because God will present the opportunities. You don't have to force the door open. God will present those opportunities. You just have to be aware of those opportunities and you have to, like Peter said, always be ready to give an account for this hope that you have, the reason that you have. Like, why do you serve God? Why, 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 why is your life different because of Jesus Christ? That's got to be more than, well, I'm just supposed to, or I'm trying to be a good moral person, or it's just uh, me trying to live a squeaky clean life and hope I make heaven when I die. <laughs> it's it's got to be more than that. It's got to be something that gives us a purpose. That's got to be for the glory of God. Amen, church? So here's what I want to do. I want to help us out. We're going to break this down and get really practical. I just shared my story with you. And I want to give you some practical pieces to help you to put your story together. And I want you to take this. This is going to be your homework assignment, all right? Everybody loves homework. It's our favorite. And so I want us to take this, and I want us to actually apply these things in our lives. So here's the first thing that we're going to do, all right? We're going to keep it short, right? And maybe if you're sitting down with a friend who you have more time and you can share more details with, that's awesome. And take those opportunities if you have those opportunities. But for the most part, the interactions that you have with people, you're not going to be able to tell them all of the details. So what you need to do is actually write down a short version, maybe edit the version of your story to just hit the main things. And here's the main thing that you need to keep the focus on the entire time. Jesus. You need to keep your story focused on Jesus. How has Jesus changed you? What has Jesus done in you? What are the things that Jesus has made a difference in your life, all right? And so that's one of the biggest pieces is just to keep it short. And here's the second one, all right? And this is going to be harder for some of you, like me, who grew up in church, but you need to think about this. And maybe even ask some people that you know that didn't grow up in church to kind of help you with this part of writing your story out and preparing to share your story. The second thing is to avoid Christian insider language. Here's the problem with Christian insider language. When you're telling someone how you've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and washed white as snow in his blood, if they don't know Jesus, man, you are going to freak them out. Right? If you, if you talk about how he's carried your sins far away as far as the east is from the west and you begin to use Christianese, they're going to go, uh-huh, yep. They're going to begin to wonder, you know, if you're a part of some cult or something, man. But, and, and listen, those things, here's the crazy part, those things are true. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We are washed in his blood. But to someone that has never heard those phrases and isn't a part of the inside track, man, they don't understand that. So think about the way that someone would receive the words you say about your story to where they can be very much understood by someone who has perhaps never been exposed to the gospel and think about it in that way. And, and if you struggle with that, because maybe if you're like me, you know, you grow up, you know, in church, Sunday school, all that good stuff, and you understand Christianese and all this Christian insider language then you need to ask someone who didn't grow up that way and say, hey, I'm working on refining my story. I want to keep it short, and I want to be able to share my story, but man, I want to make sure that someone who doesn't know Christ would be able to receive from this and understand what I'm saying. And so you can talk about that and help, uh, get some help with that, because that's very, very, very important. 
And here's the practical pieces of, of putting this together. Have a before, how, and after, okay? If you remember when I was sharing my story with you, I was telling you what I was like before I truly was transformed by Christ. I was talking about my past and all the things that I used to do and, and, and be one of these people that's just full of pride, that's, that's judging other people, that's comparing myself to other people, thinking I've got it, I'm right, they're wrong. That's how I was before I truly encountered Christ. And then I talked about how I encountered Christ. You remember, I talked about how I took a chance going to this church and I heard this youth pastor and I saw these people who were passionately pursuing God and, and God used that to open my eyes and see my sin and see what I really needed and then how I became uh, that person who was made new in the eyes of Christ and then how my life changed after. So what was the difference after having that encounter? So as you're looking to put this story together, have that before, how, and after as you're thinking about these different pieces. The fourth thing is this idea of coming up with a big idea. We do this thing here at BCC, and so I want you to build into the story your own big idea. Like, what is the main point? What is the big idea that's anchoring everything together? As you read your story, if you could just kind of sum it up in one sentence, what is that one sentence or that one phrase? What is that big idea? And make sure if they don't remember anything else of your story, that they remember this big idea, this one thing. And here is the fifth one, which ties into the big idea, because it's our BCC big idea for today, which is always point to Jesus when sharing your story. Always point to Jesus. This doesn't need to be something that glorifies you. doesn't need to be something that points people to you. It needs to be something that points people to Jesus, Right? And so it doesn't need to necessarily be about how great you are, but rather it needs to be how great he is. And if you remember in my story, one of the things that I was sharing with trying to be authentic and vulnerable was, hey, here's the things I did that I know God was not pleased with. I know that these are things that's very contrary to the heart of God. And to be real and authentic with that and open with that. You'll connect with other people when you're authentic and when you're real because people are looking for someone to lead with authenticity, right? I mean, there's enough of this trying to, you know, make everyone think you're something that you're not. There's enough of this mask wearing. There's enough of this idea uh, that's already permeated the hearts of non-Christians to think that churches are simply just full of a bunch of hypocrites and all these things like that. Let's rewrite that narrative by making the choice to lead with authenticity, to be willing to share our story. Well, what if that makes people think weird thoughts about you? Well, then they think weird thoughts about me. We're all weird anyways. I mean, I did look in the mirror before I left, and I'm like, yeah, still weird, you know? <laughs> like, I know that, I'm, and I'm okay with that, and you need to be okay with that too. And you're like, yeah, Pastor, you are. And so I appreciate that affirmation. But at the same time, we need to, we need to embrace the, the discomfort that leading with authenticity brings. We need to embrace that, not be afraid of that. Because in our culture today, man, isn't it just so easy to try to make everyone think something is true when it's not? Because we can look at social media and we can just go, wow, look at the perfect life. Look, and, and it always seems like it's everybody else's and it's not yours, right? And so what does the pressure of society 
make us want to do, makes us want to put our own version of our story out there that everyone will think is perfect as well. When your story ain't perfect, stop it. Every one of us need grace. Every one of us need the gospel. None of us have gotten to this place where God has chosen you to be that person that is just that model perfect Christian that has their entire life figured out and put together. And it would be, if you could just be like these, uh, these other people. No, no, no. We all still have a need for Jesus and we never stop needing Jesus. We all have things he's still working on us for. Amen? We all have things in our hearts that are imperfect. We all have that need for his grace daily. That's why his word says that his mercies are new every morning. Isn't that a good promise? Because, man, if I ever get to the point where I think I don't need his mercy and I'm good and God's lucky to have me on his team, boy, I'm in trouble. Because that pride sneaks in. That pride sneaks in. If we begin to think, oh, God's so lucky to have us on his team. Man, it's so sneaky and it gets in our hearts. And that's how we end up becoming just like the Pharisees of Jesus' day. We're not humble, we're not teachable. We forget our need. And, and the more distance that we get from recognizing Jesus as our need, the more that we're going to get in this idea of self-reliance. Part of that humility, you remember Peter. He said, guys, he said, have this unity this humility. He said in verse 8, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And he tells them to, to have all of these things before he tells them it's, this is what's going to require, be required of you before you can step out into this world that hates you and these people that are spreading lies about you and these people that want to see you fail. Before you step out into all of that, man, you have to have a humble mind. You have, to, you have to be unified because you can't let the enemy get in there, man, because he's going to try to sneak his way amongst you. And he's going to try to sow those seeds of division. He's going to try to cause you guys to get your eyes off of Jesus. He says, but be humble in your minds. Remember, in other words, don't forget you all still need Jesus. So that means when people do you wrong, you go, mm, I still remember I need Jesus too before I want to see those people fail or I want to count those people out. Mm, man, ooh, I still need Jesus too. Paul says this over and over again in his writings where he was said, saying things like, don't forget where you came from, basically. Don't forget your story. Don't forget your history because we once were enemies of God. Amen? We once were alienated from his life. We once we're on a fast track to eternal separation with God. But by his grace, by his mercy that he's provided, we are now called sons and daughters. We're adopted into his family, forgiven, made new, made alive, made clean because of what Jesus has done. Man, we never need to forget that fact because we never stop needing that truth in our lives. It will temper the way not only that we see ourselves, but it will temper the way we look at other people as well. And so we always need to point to Jesus when sharing our story. And then you're like, well, I'm not good with talking, Pastor Derek. Well, that's okay, because there's that scripture that says if you're not good at talking to other people, you don't have to go into all the world and make disciples. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I just, that, one's, that one's not in there, is it? You see, because we all have a responsibility. Even Moses said, uh, God not so good at talking. 
And God said, don't worry about it. It's bigger than you, Moses. There's something that I'm going to do. This is something he's doing. And man, when we recognize it's something that he's doing, not something we're doing, then we rely on him. And Jesus said, hey guys, guess what? The Holy Spirit's going to empower you to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost ends of the world. And so it's not even something you have to rely on yourself for because, man, if God was just simply relying on us to figure it all out, like, God, that was a bad idea, right? Like, that's a, that's a bad plan. Like, do you not know us? And he's like, absolutely, I know you, and I'm going to use you in spite of you but because it's not going to be you. It's going to be my Holy Spirit in you that's going to be working in you and through you. And he's going to be constantly working on you, but he's also going to be working through you. And so when we go into situations where we have an opportunity to share our story, we need to ask the Lord to fill us with his spirit and give us his words. Because it's not something that you and I come up with. Because maybe you're prepared to share your story in that moment. And maybe the Holy Spirit gives you something that you weren't even ready for. And you share something that you had not even planned to say. Have you ever had a conversation with someone all of a sudden, you have a thought just pop up that kind of comes out of nowhere, and you share it with someone, and it impacts them greatly? That's not you. <laughs> That's the Holy Spirit of God working in you for his glory. And the more we're open to him working in us and through us, and we just get out of the way, he will use us. Amen? Because it's humbling ourselves, recognizing, Lord, I can't do this. Not, Lord, I can do this. No, I can't do this because I'm confessing I need you. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to trust. I'm going to go to that coffee appointment. Or I'm going to say yes to that meeting or whatever the case may be. And I have no idea what I'm going to say. But, but Lord, I'm going to trust you. And so, Holy Spirit, give me your words. I'll never forget my buddy Al when I was pastoring in Wisconsin. My buddy Al was in a wheelchair. He's since gone on to be with the Lord. And, uh, and, and he, he, he was, he's in really bad health. And um, Al would always find me. He had one of those motorized wheelchairs. And he, he would always find me. I could hear him coming. I'd see, there's, there's Al. And he would find me before every service that we had. He would find me and say, Pastor, I want to pray with you. Every time. And sometimes I'd get real busy, right? Like, I've got I've to go on stage. It doesn't matter. He didn't care. Like, I'm about to, like, walk up on the stage to preach it. Ow, here he comes. He grabbed my hand and said, I want to pray with you. And he would always pray the same prayer every time. And I still pray this prayer to this day before I come out and I preach and I speak. And Al's prayer was, God, give Derek your words and let your words be heard by your people. And that should be the prayer for every one of us. God, give us your words. Fill us with your words and let your words be heard by your people. So in other words, it's not, it's not my words, Lord. It's your words. So fill me with your words. Check this out. Go over to Luke chapter 12. Jesus even taught his disciples this in Luke chapter 12, verse 11. He said this, He said, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Isn't that a powerful promise that Jesus gave to us? That he said, guys, listen, when, when, when you're in those moments and you're like, ah, stop, Holy Spirit, give me your words, fill me with your words. 
The Holy Spirit, he said, will teach you the words that you are to say and give you those words. So here's the thing that I want to ask us to do today. In all of these bullet points that I've given us, be ready to share your story. Yes. Think through your story. Keep it short. All those things. Avoid the insider language. Have the, Think about the before, the how, the after. Yes, come up with some sort of anchoring big idea. Always point to Jesus. But don't forget that last piece. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you his words. Because there have been times, many times, when I showed up ready to talk to someone, ready to share something, and I thought it was going to go one way, and it went a completely different way. And I just have to let God be God. Amen? Amen. Because God is directing that conversation because he knows what that person may need to hear in that moment. That coworker, you know that one that you always see in the break room, that you guys kind of have the same schedule and you're sitting in that break room together and you're eating your lunch and you both just kind of get on your phones and it's kind of quiet and awkward and you're just like kind of just trying to get through your lunch break and you're checking social media, checking your email or you're playing some game on your phone and watching stupid YouTube videos of cats playing keyboards and things like that and <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. Those can be fantastic. But what if, what if God was setting you up and, and, and you've been missing it because you've just been going through the normal rhythms of your day. And what if God puts you in that place because you have a story to share and maybe God wants you to look at that interaction differently than you've looked at it before. I want to challenge you to think that way. Think even with, your fr- even with your family, your friends. You just think you have that weekly coffee appointment. Maybe God's setting you up to share your story and he's wanting you to think about what he's done in your life and be willing to share that. Maybe those interactions that you just thought were part of just every day, man, when we recognize that and we're sensitive to it, we'll, we'll change some rhythms in our life. Just like last week, I, I shared about that young man that I uh, do taekwondo with, that man, um, he was talking to me at the end of class one day, and my kids are like, Dad, we wanna go home, right? And I want to go home too. I'm tired. I'm, I'm putting my shoes on. I'm getting ready to go. And all of a sudden, there's something I could tell God was doing something. I just hand the keys to the kids. And I said, go sit in the car. Turn on the AC, you know. Uh, how long are you going to be? I don't know. Because in this moment, I was recognizing what was happening was more important than me just getting home and going through my rhythm. Can we be sensitive to the spirit in that way? that we're willing to be inconvenienced because maybe God's setting something up for us to share a story. Because that's exactly what me and that young man did. We just talked about our story. He was sharing his story with me, but his story was not one of how Christ had changed his life. His story was about his hurt and his past and his wounds. And I was able to share with him how God had worked in my life. And me and this young man began to develop a relationship and a friendship. I don't know what God's gonna do, but here's what I do know. 1 Corinthians Chapter 3, verse 6 through 9. And I want you to get this part of this deal so you don't feel all of this pressure that the enemy wants you to feel. 1 Corinthians 3, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. This is the Apostle Paul addressing this issue of whose baptism was more special. Like was Paul's baptism more special or was this guy named Apollo's baptism more special? 
And Paul says, hey guys, you're missing the point. What really matters here in this instant is that God gets the glory. And both Apollos and I are just, we're just servants and you're just a servant. And so I plant, Apollos might water, but the heart change, the life change, God did that. What happens beneath the soil, right? We're in Iowa, we get farming, right? We understand this, right? What happens beneath the soil causes us to be in awe and wonder. Like, like what that just happens without anything that I can control to make that happen. All I can do is plant that seed and water that seed. All I can do is make sure that the conditions have been right, that, that, that I've done my part, that I've been responsible with to plant and to water and to care for it. But the growth part, the part where that seed busts open and these roots and this, this plant emerges and this fruit emerges and, and this corn, right, <laughs> emerges, like, like, how does that happen? Like, like, what on earth? And I know we can try to explain it away with science, but really and truly, what happens beneath the surface, what made all of those things work together, it, it's God. And no human can take credit for that. All we can say is, I planted it. I watered it. But the increase was something that only God could do. And folks, I know we all want to be a part of being able to share a story of, I shared my story with somebody. They cried. Because if you can make someone cry as a Christian, you feel like you have really, really done a good job. You're like, man, if I give a speech or a sermon and somebody cries, that was a win for the day. Made them cry. And sometimes we get in this, this mindset that, that we have to have an instant reaction. And isn't it discouraging when you do step out in faith and you share your story or you're obedient to what God tells you to do and they don't respond and you're like, oh man, such a failure. Oh, that was just terrible, right? You're planting, you're watering. The results are not up to you. You know what's most important is that you be obedient with what God has entrusted you with. That's what's most important. And then let God bring the results. Take the pressure off of you to change somebody's heart because you can't, because you're not that great. <laughs> I'm not that great, even if I make you cry, even if I move your emotions, even if I get you all fired up. I can't change your heart. I can get you excited. I can maybe share a story that'll tug at your heartstrings, but that doesn't mean somebody's life is changing. It just means something's been planted. Something's being watered, amen? But I have to let go and say, God, I'm going to give that result to you. So I, I'm going to be obedient to share my story. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to put my story together so someone can, can hear it. And you can encourage someone to take the next step, but man, our, our stories could perhaps lead someone to salvation. They can encourage someone, they can minister to them to take a next step, but it's God alone who changes hearts and lives and saves people, not us. And so I want us to take this list of six things and craft our story. Put it in our hearts. Let the Holy Spirit work in us. Share with a friend this week. And some of you may be even bold enough to share it online this week. I mean, we make, you know what we do? We, we, we make videos of all kinds of stuff online, right? We make videos of like fashion advice, cooking advice, you know, videos of vacations and all this stuff we want to share with the world. Wouldn't you think the greatest thing we could share with the world would be the story of how Christ transformed our life? 
Maybe two people believe that. I want to encourage you. Maybe, maybe that's a step of faith for you. Get your story out there. Let someone hear how Christ has changed your life. When we practice sharing our story, it helps us grow and it influences eternity. Your story could alter someone's eternity. God could use your story to be a part of planting and watering, to be a part of the process. Isn't that beautiful when you think about it? So let's be real. Let's be open. Let's be vulnerable. Let's be prepared. Like Peter said, be ready to give an account for the hope that you have. Because there's going to be a lot of pressure, man. But you need to be ready to give an account. Your why. What Jesus has done. And it'll even minister to you even. I'll tell you what. When I sat down and started writing out my story to share with you for this morning, when I sat down and did that, it ministered to me just sitting down and thinking about that. Just thinking about what, where I was. You know? Thinking about how I encountered Jesus. And, and what, what was that like? And I began to remember certain things that happened. I began to remember faces. And I remember, I remember that, that, that room. I remember how excited I was. I also remember how broken I was. And I remember how God's been refining me ever since. Man, just writing that down stirred that up in me. So I want to encourage you this week to do those six things. Let's put that list back up there one more time. And I want you to take a picture of it, whatever. Um, just make sure I'm not in your picture. Um, be weird. Um, unless you want me to be in your picture. I don't know. That's weird. <laughs> but remember, guys, this, this, this is us preparing. to Keep it short. Avoid that Christian insider language, right? Because we're trying to reach people who are far from God. Have that before, have that how, have that after. Have that anchoring big idea, right? Always point to Jesus when sharing your story and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with his words. Uh, one more thing just popped in my head. When I prepare sermons, I have six questions that I ask before I start writing sermons and studying scripture. And those six questions, I go through them and I try to answer each one. And it, it kind of becomes the foundational piece for what um, I believe the Lord's leading me to share with our church. And my favorite question is the third question that I ask myself. And it's this question. I ask myself in crafting sermons, what's at stake? Like, why does this message need to be shared? What's important about this message? What, what will happen if this message doesn't get shared? Like, what's at stake? And so maybe that's a good question for each of us to ask. If, if, if we don't share our story, man, what's at stake? Because I think we all know the answer to that. Could be the eternity of that coworker. Could be the, the, the fact that they need to hear that story. That God strategically puts you in that place to share that story. To share what he's done in you could be today that you are walking around being that salt, being that light, sharing that story. What's at stake, man? Honestly, it, it's eternity. We are called to be salt. We are called to be light. We are vessels being poured out for his glory. Amen? Amen. And when we live with an eternal priority, we go, man, I want to get better at sharing my story. I want to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. I want to be thoughtful and mindful and be able to give a reason for the hope that I have. So let's pray and ask God to help us to do that. Amen? Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity for us to gather together as your body, as your church. May we share our stories with the world that they may come to know you, Jesus, that they may see what you've done in us, that may, 
they may come in contact with something real that would forever change their hearts. Something you do, something you're working in us. Give us the courage and the trust in you and the dependence on your spirit to fill us so that we can have the courage and the boldness to go out and to share the good news of Jesus with the world. We thank you for this, Lord. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in online. Our in-person service times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. To learn more about BCC, visit us at bettendorfcc.com. Have a great day.